Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. We've started our series called The Upgrade. The book of Haggai, the second chapter, is the foundational scripture. It gives many things through the prophet Haggai that tells the people, get to work, get to work, Zerubbabel, get to work, uh, Joshua, get to work, all you people, because God's going to use you. And it's our foundational scripture, and it's been the basis where we are leaping from, um, from the theme, the upgrade, all right? The upgrade, meaning a better version of yourself. A better version of yourself. And the book, and the prophet Haggai prophesies in his time that you're going to be better than what you started out with. All right? Your ladder shall be better. Everybody say, your ladder shall be better. All right? Should be better than what you've been through. And so he began to prophesy. And then from that, I'm to teaching on three important aspects of the upgrade. Number one is work. Everybody say work. The other is wealth. Say wealth. And the other is wholeness. Say wholeness. All right. And the three work together. And I'm just doing some of this to catch up. And I'm going to dive into Genesis. And I'm going to move through Genesis pretty quickly so I can get to Matthew 7. All right. But I got to lay the foundation of Genesis. All right. But work, wealth, and wholeness all work together. All work together. When you find out what you've been called to do in life, you find out also your wealth. When you start finding out your work and your wealth, it also contributes to your wholeness. Right? It's not good enough to have a lot of money and be depressed. I said it's not good enough to be rich with assets, land, and you're depressed and you're oppressed. Wholeness even has to do with your health, having the best health that you can have, all right? Because how many know that if you're rich, but you have a serious health condition, that your health condition will rob from your wealth? The Bible records a woman who had an issue of blood for 13 long years, and it talks about how she went to doctor after doctor to try to get it remedied, but nothing worked. It gives us a description as if she lost her wealth trying to get whole. So we don't just want to be wealthy or blessed or be able to handle the capacity that God has given us, all right? But we want to also be whole. Say, I want to be whole. All right, and these, these three things tie in for our lives. And I'm going to deal mostly, I think today, mostly with work and wholeness. But God already warned me is that I really can't talk about one without talking about the other. All right, so let's get into Genesis. I want to lay a foundation here. I'm going to need you to be, uh, uh, be a quick reader here today. I'm going to be reading from message translation because I think it helps out with the way Genesis is written in chapter one. All right, so I'm going to read for the message translation in Genesis, and I'm going to move in pretty fast, but I'm going to lay some foundations here. Here it is, Genesis 1. First this, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, he created the heavens and the earth. That means he created all you see and all you don't see. Earth is something you can see. The heavens contain things you don't see. And all because you don't see it, don't mean it's not there. Right. All right? So he created the heaven and the earth, and the earth, everybody say the earth. The earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. 
God's spirit brooded like a bird. It's like a bird that sits upon its nest and upon the eggs in its nest. So the spirit of God brooded, hovered over like a bird above the waters of the abyss. All right, so that's chapter one, verse one, describes that there's a heaven and an earth, all you see, all you don't see. The earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, inky blackness, and the spirit of God brooded like a bird above the water abyss. And God spoke light and light appeared. Now we're about to go through some things that shows you, and this is what I got to teach, on how God modified, changed, redeemed, delivered, or brought breakthrough to the earth. The earth was in a state that it needed to be delivered. It was, read it, it was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, inky blackness. And so the earth was first in condition by design, by design. God created the earth first in a condition where it needed a breakthrough, where it needed deliverance, where it needed to be brought out. And from the heavens, right? So notice in verse one, I got to establish this principle that there's nothing wrong with the heavens. So there's nothing wrong with the heavens but there was something wrong with the earth so from the heavens which represents the spirit of God from the heavens the things that is already settled God began to speak to the thing that needed deliverance y'all catching it all right from the heavens from the spirit he spoke to the thing the earth that needed breakthrough that needed shape that needed a reformation that needed a renaissance he spoke to the earth so God created his first project of redemption and breakthrough and it's called the earth all right he does this to show us he's a redemptive God he shows his resume I'm supposed to be reading don't I supposed to be reading all right I think I'm teaching all right he, he showed his resume yeah, all right. he shows his resume in the first few verses if you want to expect anything from God he can make something out of nothing he's showing his resume on purpose he created the earth in bad shape on purpose to show his resume to show his resume all right to show his resume and let's get it going I got to move all right verse 3 and God spoke light and light appeared all right there's a genius at work tell somebody there's a genius at work some of y'all looking at things you're going through and you wonder how good gonna come out of this tell somebody there's a genius at work light appeared God saw the light that it was good and he separated the light from the dark so light came but light came in the midst of darkness God named the light day and he named the dark night in the evening it was morning, day one. So everybody say day one. God spoke again. Sky in the middle of the waters separated water from water. What? Separated water from water. God made sky. He separated the water under the sky from the water above the sky. And there it was. All right. Let me, and the name, he named the sky heavens and it, it was evening and it was morning, day two. So what it was, water filled up the whole earth. Then he separated the waters. So now you got waters in the earth, but you still got water in the heavens. Oh, that's good. Tell somebody it's called a reservoir. Say, so they ever get dry down here? Y'all ain't catching it. Say, so if they ever get dry down here? There's always some water up there. 
I'm still talking about the heavens. I'm still talking about the spirit. Y'all got to catch this. All right. Day two. All right. That's day two. Nine. God spoke, separate the water beneath the heaven, gather into one place, land appear. Let me go back. So when he separated the waters that went all the way to the heavens, it created a spanse of space called sky. All right, I wanted you to catch that. It was all water. He separated water in heaven, water in earth. But now you got something called sky. Right. Verse 9 and 10. God separate. God spoke. Separate water beneath heaven. Gather in one place. Land appeared. And there it was. God named the land earth. And he named the pooled water ocean. God saw that it was good. All right. So at first we had water everywhere. There wasn't nothing wrong with water. But water needed a place. So he took water, separated, called sky, and then once he put the water in the earth, then it was all over the earth. He said, you can't be everywhere, water. Get over here, be a lake, be a river, be an ocean. And God saw that it was good. All right. God spoke earth green up. Now that he cleared water from the land and put water in his place, now you got land. But he said, I I don't want to just see no brown dirt. God, God the creative said, I need to see some stuff. He, he, he said, earth green up. Grow all varieties of seed-bearing plants, every sort of fruit-bearing tree. And there it was. Earth produced green seed-bearing plants. All varieties and fruit-bearing trees of all sorts. God saw that it was good. It was evening and it was morning, day three. God spoke, lights come out. Shine in heaven, sky, separate day from night. Right? Because remember, he's had light and day. Now, separate day from night. Mark seasons, days, and years. Lights in the heaven, sky, to give light to the earth. And there it was. God made two big lights the larger to charge the day, and the smaller to be in charge of the night. He made stars. God placed them in the heavenly sky to light up the earth and oversee the day and the night to separate the light and dark. God saw it was good. The evening, uh, it was evening, it was morning, day four. All right. So now we got a sun to rule by day and the moon to rule by night and stars that's forever in the sky. Say forever in the sky. When you look up at night and see the stars, it's not that it's not there all day. It's that the sun is so brighter, the rest of the stars shine, light get outshone by the greatest light, which is the sun. Tell somebody, ain't nobody higher than the sun. And that's the S-O-N too. God spoke earth, generate life. Every sort of kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds. And there it was, wild animals of every kind. Cattle of all kinds, every sort of reptile and bug. God saw that it was good. God spoke, let us make human beings. All right, this is day six. God said, let us make human beings. Now he says something different about human beings. Let us make human beings in our image it's okay let it stay down there in our image make them reflect our nature so he made everything else which i call environmental he got the environment right because it's hard to be who you really are if the environment is not right i'll leave it there yeah i appreciate it 
if the environment's not right. It's hard to be who you really are if the environment's not right. And he's created and got the environment right for his prized possession, Adam and Eve. He dare not put Adam and Eve and bring them in chaos. So he got all the things in order so that the thing made in his image could thrive in the organized environment. Okay, y'all got it? So they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air. So everything he made on the first five days, what he's making on the sixth day, it has to be responsible for everything he already made for the first five days. So they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the earth, God created human beings. He created them God-like. Hmm. Reflecting God's nature, he created them Male and female. Y'all about to read the Bible. I keep listening to everybody talking about genderless people walking around. Okay. God created a male and female. I know it. Read your Bible. God blessed them said prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing that moves upon the face of the earth. Then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on the earth, every kind of fruit-bearing tree, Give them, given, given them to you for food, to all animals and all birds, everything that moves and breathes. I give whatever grows out of the ground also for food. And there it was. God looked over everything he made and it was good. So very good. It was the evening. It was the morning. It was the sixth day. The next chapter says on the seventh day, God rested. Rested from work. What? Work. I just went through Genesis to show you God worked. We want to lay a foundation that he made the heavens and the earth. The earth needed help. Everybody said the earth needed help. But God worked the earth until it looked like what he wanted to look like how did the earth end up being so beautiful god worked so many times when we have to deal with something that is not like we really wanted to be guess what you're gonna have to do because you ain't no better than god and God first lays down the first principle of work and rest He's, he does both but tell somebody we got to get the ratio right. Six days of work he did and one day of rest. Now this one six the other way ain't going to get you where you got to go. This, <laughs> this, one, this one day of work, unless you really do good that one day, most people don't really do that well that one day. Now if you got it like that, come talk to me. But most times you need a six to one ratio, all right? All right, but it was a six to one ratio, six days of work for God and one day of rest. God worked. Everybody say God worked. Let's go to Matthew 7. Let me kind of pull it down. Uh, I'm going to pull it down. You're going to see what I'm saying. But Matthew 7, verse 13 to 29. Now I'm back in King James Version. And watch me closely in these next few verses. Matthew 7. It says, enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go there at, go that way. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, 
which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. It's basically saying that many people are looking for anything goes. Wide is the gate, a wide gate and broad is the way, but it leads to destruction. In other words, let me give you a very simpler way. I'm going to read and I'm going to give you some simple ways of looking at it. It says, don't look for shortcuts in God. The market is flooded with all kinds of easygoing formulas for successful life. An easygoing formula that you can just do this. You ain't got to be uh, dedicated to it. Um, just on your spare time, just by a little bit of time. You have a, do you have an hour of spare a day? And just with the hour spare today, if you do this and this, you'll be rich. How many done heard that, that phrase? Did you have a little bit of spare time? And just for an hour a day, you can be, and that's rare that for an hour a day, you, you're going to just totally be rich or something like that. Because if that's the case, everybody will be doing the hour a day. Come on now. now. Don't get sucked in to shortcuts. It takes work to produce things of value and of quality. And sometimes people get looking always for a shortcut. All right? Don't fall for that stuff. And what it means, even though crowds of people do, the way of life to God is vigorous and requires your total attention. Meaning if you're going to please God, if you're going to really grow and walk and develop your faith, develop your salvation with God, guess what? It's going to require work. You're not going to be able to be a half Christian and come out with full salvation. No, 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 no. You're going to reap exactly what you sow. If you are half at it with God, then you're going to reap a half at it relationship. You've got to be focused. You've got to be vigorous. It takes work to bring the goodness out of you. It takes work to define the talent out of you. It takes work to bring all the gifts that are currently in you to, to develop them so they move you into the place of wealth and wholeness. Here we go. Beware of false prophets. Verse 15. Which come to you in sheep's clothing. Meaning looking like a sheep. And so if you judge it by only eyesight, it looks like a sheep. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. What? This is important why he's talking about false prophets or false preachers or false teachers. Why? Because if you are taught false, you live false. The prophet or the teacher is the one who teach you in the way of instruction of God. So if you are taught wrong, you can never get the homework right. You can be smart now. You can have all the smarts, all the intellectual capacity. But if you are taught wrong, you're never going to get it right. So it says beware of people who teach you wrong. You're never going to get there with somebody letting you get away with everything, not telling you what it takes to grow, not sometimes jacking you up. Come on, if you always look for somebody to make you feel 
feel good and make you feel like you, you, you ain't never did no wrong and you don't need no jacking up or no straightening up and you always got all if all your friends always say good to you about you that ain't they ain't your real friend a real friend say sister hush it up sister I know how you are come on now you got to quit it come on everybody ain't against you come on girl come on out for real bro what's wrong with you man get yourself together come on if you got friends that allow you to go down a path of your weakness when you dead wrong that ain't no good friend I mean what is a friend where you walking down the journey of life there's a big hole in the street and y'all just walking lolly dolly boo boo you falling out and then your friend says well long as we in here together boom boom that's what no if you walking with me and you saw the ditch in the road say Joe move away from the ditch see some of uh, y'all y'all some of y'all just like loyalty in any cause when I look around in my life you always there now loyalty is good but my God if I'm always there um, but I'm always in a hole but you always there when I get ready to change you're gonna be part of the equation that gets subtracted because every time I was always there in a hole you was there with me and you ain't never said nothing to prevent me from being in the hole I got a problem with that so when I finally change and get the formula right you ain't gonna be with me when I finally get myself together I'm I'm gonna recognize that part of the reason I'm always in the hole cause you always with me I ain't saying nothing I need a friend to tell me Joe you crazy today Joe you crazy what you thinking today get yourself together you need somebody to tell me what you thinking you must be lost your marbles lost your mind here it is verse 16 you shall know them this is how you know these false prophets listen by the fruit their fruits do men gather grapes of grapes of thorns meaning when you go to a thorn bush do you come back with grapes come on folks come on stop well I'm just giving people the benefit of doubt I like that to a certain extent but you can't never make a thorn a grape now, if you want to act, oh, I'm okay. I believe in giving people the benefit of the doubt. But at least call it what it is. Right. At least say they was wrong, but I believe they're going to be better. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with mercy and compassion. But if you're going to act like a thorn is a grape, then I'm going to give you a thorn and say, chew it. Yes, Prove it to me. Yes. Do you go, do you, do figs of thistles? Do you go to thistles and put out figs? Two parts of fruit. Notice he's talking about fruit. Grapes is fruit. Figs is fruit. Thorns and thistles are the things you avoid. Oh, God. So stop acting like this is fruitful when it's something you need to avoid. You're going to know them by the fruit they bear. Say, look for fruit. So you can't fake fruit. You can't fake fruit. You can fake a lot of stuff, but you can't fake fruit. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. Now, this is simple stuff. This is going to get some of us from being hazy. Every, so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. That's simple. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn, cut down, and cast into the fire. 
Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. So that's how you judge it is by the fruit. All right? By the fruit. Another way of talking about it, it says, be weary of false preachers or teachers who smile a lot. <laughs> dripping with practiced sincerity. Practice sincerity. Mean faking sincerity. Not real sincerity. Not authentic sincerity. Practiced sincerity. Chances are they are out to rip you off some type of way. Don't even be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Some of us like everything shiny, but everything shiny ain't gold. Some of us get, like, get caught up with the glitter because it's shine, and you think it because it's shine. No, no, no. Don't get caught up in charisma. Get some character. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why I always like to say, I, I believe I got eyes. You got eyes too, so you got eyes too. And when it comes to relationship, you need somebody who more than fine. Hmm? Because hmm? as you get older, it, it's harder to keep fine, fine. And I'm not saying you can't stay fine. You can work on it, but if you're trying to stay fine, you know how hard it is to stay fine. But when you get to the thick and thin in life and, and life is serving you a bit of pill, fine don't hug you. Fine don't pay no bills. Fine don't pay you through. Fine don't counsel you. Fine don't hold your hand. You better get somebody to walk with you a life that's more than fine. I ain't saying nothing. I didn't say don't be fine. I just said more than fine. You can work on your physique, but I'm just saying more than. You're going to need more than that. Ain't no, ain't no nice shoulders going to do nothing for you when you don't know what to do. Huh? Y'all ain't saying nothing. You got to get beyond your flesh and get to your destiny. I don't care. You, a man can look over and say, I married the most beautiful woman of, your, of my life. But if you roll over and she ain't got nothing good to say and she don't treat you like your king, I don't care how fine she is. You ain't going to want that when you're going through. When you lost your job and you need your woman, when you walk in the door to say, you still my superman. You don't need no woman saying, you done lost your job, your pitiful self. Come on, brothers. I got to talk to these brothers who grade destiny only by fineness. And then men grade destiny only by fineness and then they make women work only to be fine. As if all you got is your body. As if all you got is your measurements. If it's all you got is your shape. Because now that men are only looking for fineness, that's all you focused on. And now all you think you have is fineness. Women need to say, I got more than being fine. Yeah, look for some character. See, I didn't marry Pastor Robin by accident. I met her on purpose. She was fine. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But besides that, she talked to my destiny. She talked to my purpose. Oh, I left some other things alone for her. Yeah, I dropped some other things. I got focused for her. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing, huh? 
Oh, when you find something that's right, that's going to work with you through life, y'all play around with this stuff. But one of the best decisions I've made in my life sits right there on that road with me. Go home with me. That's the be- one of the best decisions of my life. Y'all can play with it all you want to. That's why we tripping with men who get married and then be talking how bad their wife is. I don't know if I can say this live. Because in my mind, I'd be saying, you crazy. Because you picked her. So I ain't looking at her crazy. I'm looking at you crazy. Because you the one chose her. You the one said I'll marry. You the one got on the knee for her. Come on now. Now you want to say she ain't all this and she ain't all that. I ain't got no problems with her. I got problems with you. Hey, when the time you start talking that way, it already showed me who the problem. You the problem. All right, let me leave it alone. Tell everybody to say, look for character. Look for character. A genuine leader, a genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. A genuine leader, I can teach this, come on. Genuine leader will exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. I've been telling truth gathers y'all more than being able to break records in money. I've been saying that for the last year because y'all broke a record while y'all was home. And I want you to think that's enough. We got work to do around here. We need bodies. Come on, come on. We need bodies. There's Money is good. It takes care of some bills, but money ain't everything. Come on. We ain't even trying to raise a church that all we care about is money. Come on. You're more than your, your money. Come on. We, just, we need people. Come on, because some of y'all may not have a lot of money, but you got a lot of heart. Ah, you may not be rich. Y'all going to make me preach. You may not be rich in dollars, but you're rich in hospitality. You may not be rich in your bank account, but you're rich in joy. Come on. You better spread your wealth out a little bit. Come on. You Gotta spread your wealth out. Come on, verse 21. Now, every one of you that saith unto me, here it is, Lord, Lord, shall enter, not everyone, not everyone. Uh oh. Uh oh. Not everyone. Now, I don't know about y'all. When I read this stuff, it makes me pause. How many in here today are calling, saying Jesus, Lord, Lord? Come on, raise your hand if you're saying Jesus, Lord, Lord. You my Lord. All right, let's read the verse again. I ain't trying to be funny. I'm, telling, I'm just trying to read and teach. It says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. What? But he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, final day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Asking asking the Lord some questions. Hallelujah. Can you see that? Can you see that on that final day? Have we not prophesied in your name? Talk back to me, Lord. Come on, give me some feedback. Come on, come back. Have we not prophesied in your name? Come on. Huh? I can't hear you, Lord. Talk to me. And in thy name, cast out devils. Yeah, remember that Monday night? It's, in rec- it's recorded in heaven. You saw it, Father. And in my name, done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, says Jesus, 
I never knew you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Depart from me, ye, ye that work iniquity. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. He said, depart from, whoa, ye that work iniquity. Basically mean you done missed the boat. Basically, all you did was use me to make yourself important. He's saying you didn't impress me one bit. You are out of here. Depart from me like they used to say back in the 1990s. Take the hand. I don't know about you. This is some serious stuff. I mean, to cast out devils? To prophesy in his name? To do wondrous works? And then when you talk to the Father on final judgment day, I don't know about you, it just seemed like something was wrong here. That between doing the work of miracles, prophesying, there was no sign that it was off track to go to heaven. Because notice, it's like they're about to be surprised at final judgment. No, this is serious stuff. To work and to actually cast out devils, to prophesy in his name, and then on finally on that day, you're having a conversation with Jesus and telling him about your works, and he's telling you to part from me. I don't know. See, I'll tell you, I could do with some surprises. But this surprise here, this right here, mm-mm. Somewhere, if I'm off track, I got to know before final judgment day. So if I'm somewhere not doing something he don't like and I'm not really doing what he want me, I got to know before the end. This is your stuff. I mean, what kind of people, this is baffling me because they worked. Everybody see that? They worked. They cast out devils. They prophesied. They worked. We talk about the principle of work. How can you work and not get the final pay of heaven? This tells us something about people. It tells us something about gifts and anointings. And it tells us something about God. For people, it says, people will make excuses for not changing for the better. The Bible says they are a worker of iniquity. It don't mean that they had iniquity alone. But they actually start working iniquity. It means iniquity is sin, is weaknessness, or things that make you lawlessness, meaning you violate God's law. Amen. So they had iniquity, but with their iniquity, they became a worker of iniquity. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all have iniquity. But if you start working iniquity, that's the only way you can keep iniquity in your life. That's right. The way you keep iniquity in your life is you work iniquity. The way you keep sin in your life, you work sin. Sin, it has to be worked. It has to be exercised. So these are people who kept working the weaker parts of themselves. Basically, it's people that says, I can't do what God called me to do. Not living right. Not having good character. Not loving my enemies. Not forgiving people. Now, I can do some works. I can do some miracles. I can preach. I can sing in the choir. I can come to church. But forgiveness? I can't do that. Live right. Not cuss people out all day. Mm-mm. I can't do that because sometimes I just get the urge. 
And then don't, don't mess around and find somebody else that's just weak like you and got the urge just like you. Y'all be high-fiving each other. Yeah, because girl, when I get the urge, sometimes the worst thing is to get somebody right close to you got a weakness just like you. Ooh, that's somebody, that's one. Ooh, Jesus. I mean, I love everybody, but I'm just saying, if you're going to make it, you better stop teaming up with everybody with the same weakness. A good team, can I teach a little bit? Y'all know, can I teach a good team? It's people that don't have the same weakness. See, that's how it works better. And that's why some of y'all think conflict is always bad. Conflict is a sign that maybe y'all thinking different, and that's a blessing. All right, let me go. These are people who are making excuses for having weaknesses. It talks about people will make excuses for not being better. It also talks about gifts. It shows that gifts comes without repentance. Meaning you can continue walking your gift and never live and please God. These people were gifted to prophesy, gifted to do the things of God. They were gifted. So gifts are not good enough as it is. Gift alone are not good. You have gifts and they come without repentance. Meaning you don't have to repent. In other words, you don't have to live right to bless people. <laughs> you don't have to live right to bless people. It also shows that anointings will still work when your life is in sin. Oh, you can't tell me they wasn't anointed. They cast the devil out. You can't tell me they wasn't anointed. But what good is an anointing that serves everybody else and don't serve you? These people, it shows about people, it shows about gifts, and it shows about anointings, that anointings can still work when sin is still rampant in your life. But the questions remain, what kind of God would allow people to work for him and then say, depart for him, I never knew you. I'm telling you, God will still get his work out of you, he will still get his gifts out of you, but if you don't ever please him and live right, he'll let you work and not get the reward of heaven. What type of God allows people to do that? I said, the same type of people that allow themselves to do the work and not live for him. So don't blame God on this. It's the type of people that says, all I need to be is be seen. Because that's my reward. All I need is to have my way. If I just have my way, ain't about you having your way, Lord. As long as I have my way, I'm good with everything else. Because all I need in life is to do what I want to do. God says the type of people he allowed to do that is the type of people who not worried about heaven. They've lost focus of heaven. They're focused on themselves. They're focused on living for themselves. They don't care about heaven. And so I allow people to work for me when they lose sight of heaven. And if they lose sight of heaven, I'll let them work for me and then not receive heaven's reward. What type of people is the people who forget that God is holy? Here is the point so I can conclude. I'll finish the rest later. These type of people who do all these wondrous works for the church and live thing and never get into heaven is people who never work out their soul salvation. And just like God worked and changed the world in six days, God is expecting you to work and get your life changed. These lazy people who did all this other stuff to please people never pleased God. God expects you to work to get that line out of you. 
God expects you to work to get your temptations. God don't want to hear these excuses at final judgment day. God, everybody lie. God ain't talking about everybody. I'm talking about you. See, judgment day is about uh, your independence and standing on your own two feet. You can't sit there and talk about we all cussed. We all did all kind of God gonna say, no, we, I'm holding you accountable just like I'm gonna hold them individually accountable. And I'm telling you, we got to get beyond doing things for people and do things for God. These people didn't work. They didn't work their salvation. They did works, but they weren't focused on their spiritual life. They didn't work. God expect you to work. God expect you to work. You got things to work out of your salvation. It's okay. Your spiritual life can be out of shape, but if you start working it, like God did in Genesis, if you start working it, it'll start changing. On the final day, God ain't putting up with people who don't work out their soul salvation. I wanted you all to see that clearly. There's a lot of fuzziness concerning what God requires. I try to teach this very honestly and lovingly. Or what God requires. When you get to, when you get to final judgment, you know, God ain't going to just be looking at that you was in choir number two. The men's choir. Because I was an usher. I ushered faithfully on the first Sunday. That's great. But did you live the life I called you to live? I want you to see it clearly. He's going to want something from my lifestyle. Not just the, the exploits that we do. He's going to want our lifestyle to be right. These people did not work out their salvation. They got caught up in the parades of everybody who liked them and everybody who said it was wonderful. And they forgot about the main one they needed to please. Today I want you to get focused on working out your salvation. I want you to get focused on working out being a better you for God. I want you to work on that. I want you to work, notice that if you start working on it, you'll become strengthened in your weakness. That's why I had to show you Genesis, that God himself laid the foundation of work. And through work, things changed. Through work, things manifested. Through work, he brought the world into beauty with, with organization, with, with priorities, with things set in order. So right now, your life could be all over the place. You can be just having wrong feelings about God, wrong feelings about your life and how you need to treat people. But if you start working on it, if you start taking your life with God more serious, if you start really honoring what God requires, God will change you. Get rid of all the excuses. It's hard. You can't tell me that stuff. I'll tell you all the work I had to do just to please God. I'll tell you the work. I'll tell you all the relationships, dynamics I had to change in order to please God. I'll tell you that. Y'all know I tell my testimony all the time. I grew up in the hood. I grew up down south 305. I've seen more stuff than you can imagine. I've seen more stuff at the age of about 10. I've seen grown stuff by the time I was 15. I had a whole lot to get out of me. You think God wanted to hear? Well, you know, he grew up in dirty south. You should give him a pass. No, God said, you're going to work this stuff out of you. No, you're going to work all this sin out of you. You're going to work all this lust out of you. No, you're going to work this stuff out of you. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're going to work this stuff out of you. You're going to get clean. You're going to get whole. You're going to get your mind right. You're not going to be the product of an environment that never got developed. No, you're not going to use excuses for some that my daddy was never there. That's why I'm still angry. Because he never showed up for me. God said, well, I showed up for you. Is my love not enough? 
God ain't with all these excuses. I know sometimes we think God is a patsy, patty cake, hopscotch type God. And his compassion is loving and kind. You know, even when I talk about this gap of time between the person who's off course before final judgment, that, that gap of time, God was expecting them to get it right. So don't get fooled by God's mercy. God still wants you to get it right. I said, don't get fooled by God's mercy. Don't let his mercy fool you that he's not a judgment God. See, people get fooled by his mercy. They think his mercy is your time to get yourself together. Mercy don't mean judgment never comes. And some people think, you know, we fine. God's been merciful to me. And when final judgment comes, God ain't looking for, God ain't handing out mercy. He dealing with it straight on based on if your lifestyle have been repented of and you begin to improve your life. Will you stand on your feet? I want to pray. I'm in a season of laying down these, he these heavy principles for life and for living. It's going to take work to change. It's going to take work to change. It's going to take focus to change. It's going to take vigor to change. It's going to take getting up to change. That's why I love the story of the prodigal son because he walked away from his father's house. But he started talking himself back into the father's house. He said, why am I sitting here? About to die of hunger and I could be in my father's house. Another way of saying it, I can get myself together. And so you can't give yourself no excuses so people, when people mess up sometimes, or sometimes you see and go away, you give yourself all the reasons not to come back. Embarrassment is not even good enough. You can't look at God on final judgment day and say, God, I was embarrassed. God can say, get over yourself. God, I was ashamed. Get over yourself. You ain't the first one to mess up. You ain't the first one. There are many people who done messed up, got redeemed, and went on and had a wonderful life. You can get caught up soaking, soaking, having pity parties about what you did wrong. Let mercy redeem you and move on. You clap your hands. I'm done. Come on, clap your hands. I'm done. But I want to open up the altar today for those who said, Father, I'm that person who is going through modification. I'm like the earth. I need to go through some process where I'm clean, redeemed, built up. I need to bring organization to my life. I need to bring priority to my life. I need to bring your word to my life. I need to really refocus. I really need to get myself in the right posture. Because I'm gifted, I'm called. But I don't want to be one of the ones that get to the end on final judgment day and don't hear the words that says, my good and faithful servant, enter in. And I hear words that says, depart from me. I don't mean that. I want you to come out of your, your rows and come to the front and to take a stand and say, I'm there. I'm okay. I'm not coming. I'm coming for help. Thank you for coming. I'm coming for care. He loves you. Come on. And when you come, lift your hands up. It's a sign that God I'm here. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times God has forgiven me, cleansed me, washed me. Thank you as you come up. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how many times I've been cleansed, redeemed. And it's fine. How many know that God will forgive you many and numerous times? There's a scripture that tells us to forgive our brother 77 times 7. So how can God tell us to give our brother 77, 70 times 7, and he not himself forgive us 70 times 7? He can't ask us to do something he ain't willing to do. So 
what I'm telling you is that God is willing to forgive and to wash and to purify and to help you. That's what I'm telling you. So get over all this guilt and soaking and all this other stuff about you done messed up or whatever it is. I don't care. God says, God, I will forgive you. So I want everybody all to just accept that mercy and accept that forgiveness right now with your mouth. Say, Lord, I accept that you will forgive me. I accept that you love me beyond my faults. I accept that you love me beyond my weakness. I accept that you love me in spite of, in spite of bad habits, in spite of things I need to work on. Hallelujah. I thank you that you're still loving me. You're still caring for me. You still want to see me be everything I'm called to be. Even if I disobeyed your voice several times, even if I knew better, I thank you that you're still in love with me. You had changed your covenant. You had changed your mind about me. You still want me. You still, you're not trying to throw me away. Oh, you want to make me better. And I'm accepting your mercy today. Come on, heads up, come on. My heart is accepting who you are, that you're forgiving God and you are loving God. And you've given me the opportunity all over again to get it better and to make it better. And I accept that Jesus died on the cross for me to have the opportunity to be better even if you're online but you're giving your life to Christ or you're making a new commitment or you're saying God I'm the one that needs to get things in order I want you to be open even online and say God I'm here today is my day I'm going to experience the upgrade I'm going to work on my salvation I'm going to get focused I'm going to get priority I'm going to separate things I'm going to bring order to things and we accept your forgiveness. Now, how many believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin? You believe that? Shake your head if you do, you do, you believe it. That same blood, now I accept that blood cleanses me and I want you to say, the blood cleanses me from every sin, from every wrongdoing, and I am redeemed and I am accepted because of his blood. And I accept his blood for my life. Now, Father, I pray that you will give every person at the altar online or in person give them inner strength to move forward one of the biggest things I feel here today is don't hold your head down do me a favor I know it's okay and I know you mean well because you're real solemn right now you're real sincere and I respect that but lift your head up I want everybody at the altar lift your head even at home I know I know why your heads are down it's not that you're sad but I want to make sure that the enemy of your destiny knows that you are confident that you're working with the God that forgives and that redeems. So I don't want the emotion because head posture means a lot. Posture in life means a lot. Head down represents a lot. All right. So I know why you're doing it because you're sincere. But I want to teach you about being sincere and holding your head up. I want to teach you about holding your head up after mistakes. I want to teach you how to hold your head up in spite of what you haven't accomplished yet I want to teach you that it's a different posture the enemy like us to try to make change with our head down and it's contrary to really what God's trying to do so get your posture right get your head up as high as you can get it thank you because God is going to redeem you he's going to build you up he don't need you to hold your head down you're going places and God is willing to come inside your life and come inside your soul and take you to new places if you receive that clap your hands and praise God that he's with you I got scripture for you on the principle I'm saying 
when the prodigal son came home he was still soaking about him walking away and getting into all the stuff he got into he was still soaking he said I'm gonna come home to my father and I'm gonna say I've sinned against heaven and earth and this is what he said I'm gonna tell the father I am no longer worthy to be called your son this is what he gonna tell the father meaning father I'm coming home but because of what I did offend you I'm no longer a son so I'm gonna be home but no longer a son I'm gonna repent but I'm not gonna move into my future because I done messed up so bad I'm not deserving of your goodness and your mercy while he was yet talking the father said bring the robe bring the ring and kill the fattest cow the way I describe it is hush that boy's still talking out of his sin he's still talking out of his mess ups he's still talking out of his emotions he says go get the robe and put it on him go get the ring and God didn't even respond to his soaking he says go get the robe put it on him go get the ring put it on his hands and cook to get the fatted calf he didn't say get no little calf get the biggest cow you got we about to have ribs we about to have steak because my son which was lost is now home so what am I telling you get your head up because the father is celebrating you right now can you celebrate them on the altar because the father we're celebrating you can you clap your hands for them we're celebrating you We're celebrating you. You know how many people live in denial? But we're celebrating you. You know how many people will live in denial? We're celebrating you. Because you're saying, Lord, I'm just being honest. We're celebrating you. And the father had a party over the son that came home. And I know many of you are saved, but I'm using that principle to show you how God really feels about you and how much he loves you and cares for you. So I want you to know your act of obedience just to come to the altar. It's helping you overcome your weakness. It's helping you overcome any excuse. Coming to the altar is helping you overcome it. And it's preparing you to walk in the ways of the Lord. How many received that? How many here hadn't accepted the Lord? Put your hands down if you hadn't accepted the Lord, but you are accepting the Lord today. I want to distinguish that if you hadn't accepted the Lord, but you are. So everybody know Jesus been, all right, good deal. That's a good thing. The other thing I teach is coming to the altar for Christ is not a one-time experience. If we tell the truth, all of us didn't change that one time. So you make initial decisions, but you need you need multiple deposits. So you make initial decision, but you need more. So coming to the altar is not a one-time experience. I can't tell you how many times I've been to the altar. And if you're gonna be self-righteous, you try to keep up. But how many times Pastor Joe done been to the altar? You're gonna have to really know how to count real high. Now I've been to the altar many times. But God knows that when you make the decision, and you come to the conclusion that you need to do better, God will work with you. How many gonna walk away from here and be able to walk into life making better decisions, prioritizing? Raise your hand. Come on, make a decision today. That's what it's about. Make a decision. Don't make an excuse. Sometimes it's downright tough. That's why I try to be very honest with what I preach. 
the things I had to go through just to get into the pulpit, the things I had to go through just to get my life in order. Oh, I could tell you about some real stuff that I had to face with my own self just to get right with God. It wasn't easy. I had to cut off a best friend, best friend, play football together, a best friend, stayed up all night playing games on TV and Atari and every game that came out, all that. He came to my house and chilled for the night. I went to his house and chilled for the night. We grew up in the same church. When it came a point in my life, I had to start making better decisions and he was going in another path and we had to separate. It wasn't about me not loving him, but it was about me loving me. I said it wasn't about, because we make everything about if we're losing love for somebody else. But there's certain times in our life, you got to love you more. And I had to start loving who I was and what I was called to be. And I had to say, bro, man, I can't hang with you no more, man. I said, I'm making some real changes, man. You know, I ain't got no, it ain't no animosity. So when I see him, and if he walked in here right now, I put my arms around him so tight, so glad to see him, and he'll do the same for me. It wasn't about animosity, it was about destiny. So every separation ain't got to be no bitter thing. They can make it one, but you ain't got to make it one. Everything ain't got to be that way. Cause ain't what it's all about. It's about destiny. And I was ready to have destiny, and he was going somewhere else. And some of y'all are at that point that you need to make destiny decisions. Destiny decisions, all right? And you ain't got to be cocky about all that kind of stuff. It's humility. He was a good friend of mine, you know? I didn't get called him up and say, man, you trash. You ain't going nowhere. You just pit. No. No, that wasn't the case. I was like, man, I'm, I'm making a decision for me. And some of y'all are at destiny decisions today. That's why I'm talking to you like this. Because you got to grow some strength to do what God has called you to do. How many going to be able to walk those decisions? Online, how many going to walk those decisions? If you believe that, give God praise. Come on, clap your hands. We love you. We love you. Come on, everybody. We love you. God's going to do amazing things. Hold on. Don't give up. Press on in, Sister Taylor. Press on in. God's going to be good for you. And when you hit, it's like in life, Sister Taylor. Sometimes life can seem like an unfair game. But I'm telling you, when you hit that pinata, yeah. everything for God's will gonna come right on over your life. Sometimes it ain't no fun. I mean, pinatas, games are cute sometimes. It's cute. But when you start living life and you swinging and you ain't hit nothing, that thing get frustrating. And you wanna hit that thing. I wanna know where it is so I can hit it. You know, I don't want to be swinging this thing and never hitting the pinata. I want to know where it is. God says, fine. You're going to hit it. Everything that you deserve and lead that I prepare is going to come. In Jesus' name. Will you clap your hands? God bless you. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.